Welcome in to Football and Grits, your SEC-centric podcast here on The Athletic. Today is Ask Aaron. You know, this is the listener engagement day of the week where you guys ask the questions and I do my best to give the answers. First SEC football game's obviously in the books. It's a little bit of overreaction time because this is the first time we're seeing teams. You got to remember... Overreactions are a part of being a fan. I completely get it, but you didn't have spring practice. You didn't have much of an organized seven-on-seven during the summer, and you had that sort of weird preseason camp where they're taking all these precautions. It's anything but a normal football week, especially when you start talking about the end of September and what we saw. But you got to remember, week one, sloppy football. This is not the team that you're going to see throughout the rest of the season, no matter what your team is. So uh, we learned some things about all 14 SEC teams, and some of them were good, some of it were bad, and we're going to do our best to go through some of these questions. Um, just wanted to say off the top, it's it's time to overreact, but you're going to have time as we move forward for these teams to rectify some of the things that looked uh, like glaring weaknesses. And don't forget, this is an all-SEC schedule, so there's not much time to, to get – to get things right against the sisters of the poor, because there, there really are no sisters of the poor. Although, relatively speaking, in the SEC, there are teams that are weaker, to be certain. But um, there's not much time to, to to find your footing against a, a much weaker opponent. You're playing, you know, power five opponents every week. So, uh, but but keep in mind that week one is not what you're going to see week five from your team. But having said that, let's let's dig into the questions. Uh, Ryan Z wants me to rank the SEC quarterbacks from 1 to 14. That's tough to do because of you're trying to factor in, okay, this quarterback, what, what was his level of competition week one? And um, how do you factor that in against maybe a, a quarterback who played a, a better team or, or a weaker team in week one? But we're going to do our best to, to sort of go through these. And the first thing that, that jumps to mind is is Kyle Trask. And and really, how could it not be when you look at the day that he had six touchdown passes? Now, I know most of us can remember the, the fun and gun days, fun and gun days of Steve Spurrier down at Florida. So, so those type of numbers we're used to kind of seeing, right? You think about all those great wide receivers they had, the quarterbacks that Spurrier had, and they were ripping it up down there. Well, it's you sort of are transported back in time. With Kyle Trask's performance, now you got to remember, I don't think Old Miss's defense is um, is going to be one of the elite units of the SEC. So you factor that in, but what he did was pretty impressive, right? When when you go out against a Power Five team and you complete seventy one percent of your passes, thirty of forty two, uh, you start talking about six touchdown passes. Uh, he was um, he was off the charts, four hundred and sixteen yards passes. So um, it's it's kind of hard for me not to put him. At the top right now. Uh, beyond that, I was really impressed with KJ Costello coming in as a newcomer to the league in a system where he's sort of matched with a, a head coach he didn't know all that much about. Again, um, the preparation time being what it was because of the coronavirus this year. Really impressed with KJ Costello. And, you, and then you start thinking about the unit he did it against, right? The LSU. They call themselves DBU. Oof, not Saturday. They were anything but DBU. We'll get into that. A little bit more. Uh, number three for me was Mac Jones. 
Um, not the sexiest name, not the sexiest pick, but man, he was incredibly efficient uh, throwing. What he had had the two touchdown passes on the day, seventy five percent completion. That's just off the charts. He was just crazy efficient. Nick Saban said he had one missed throw all day, and he put it in the air 24 times. So pretty high praise from Nick Saban when you start talking about Mac Jones. And, and he's a guy that does a lot of things within the pocket that looks that, that's subtle, a little subtle step to the left, create a passing lane, climbing the pocket, doing all that while keeping his eyes down the field and making plays, knowing where the ball is supposed to be, knowing where his receiver is supposed to be. I think Mac Jones had a really solid start. Uh, beyond that, Matt, Cor- Matt Corral at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, I thought looked pretty good, um, especially against that Florida defense. They dialed it up pretty nice. And then it just you start getting into that middle area where it's just tough to rank these guys. Um, you, Georgia had Georgia played two quarterbacks. How do you how do you sort of rank that? Kellen Mond was a guy that we expected a lot from this year. Let's let's be honest. And and there were several questions I could have picked about Kellen Mond. I, I chose not to right now because it's, again I don't want to overreact this one one week. But when you got your guy that's played a lot of football for you in Jimbo Fisher's offense, there's a high expectation that comes along with that. And Kellerman right now is just not meeting it. So we're going to give that middle group some time to, to, to really settle in before we start with definitive rankings. But at the top, uh, those guys that I mentioned were really good. Another guy that I saw firsthand, numbers aren't going to blow you away, but just I thought kept his head about him and made some solid throws was Sean Robinson at Missouri. I mean, he, he had one I remember, it was a third and long, and he's rolling to his right, and he's got a receiver on the move as well. And he puts it right on the money in between Alabama defenders. And Alabama's a defense, as you, you guys well know, a lot of four- and five-star guys, a lot of guys that can get after it, a lot of speed out there on that field this year for Alabama's defense. So really impressed with Sean Robinson. Question number two comes, us, comes to us from Hunter J. He says, what's your level of concern for the LSU secondary moving forward? The team played Saturday without the top three corners from last season. But the players who slotted in were highly touted recruits. In your eyes, was this team unprepared for the air raid or unprepared for live competition? Um, as I mentioned, this is a this is a proud unit, guys. LSU hails itself, and probably rightfully so, as DBU. I mean, they pump guys in the NFL. Right now, they've probably got the best player in college football. And he didn't play Saturday, right? You start you start thinking about playing without Derek Stingley Jr., he's some people are saying he's the best player in college football on the defensive side of the ball. He didn't play. Um, and so that certainly affects LSU's unit, but it's a proud group. And it's a proud group that got torched in their home stadium, 623 yards from a first-time SEC coach, a first-time SEC quarterback, didn't know much about how they would look. They ran the ball for nine yards total. Now, I know some of that sacks, and you got to factor all that in. They were one-dimensional, nine yards rushing, and LSU got torched. And when you start Monday morning quarterbacking this thing, Bo Pelini, the defensive coordinator for the Tigers, is is drawing a lot of criticisms for not switching up his game plan, playing a lot of press man coverage, and they got beat over the top time and time again. And it was you think about it, it was probably a pretty solid game plan going in. You start thinking about LSU's defensive front, um, taking away some of those space and easy throws from Costello, and, and that was maybe the right move. But after you're getting torched over the top, 
you got to switch it up a little bit, right? Well, they never did, and what we saw was 623 yards pass defense allowed. I don't have to tell you that's last in the SEC. That's abysmal. Um, and it, it was when you stu- really start looking inside those numbers, it gets even more concerning. On third down, KJ Costello was seven of eleven for 194 yards on third down. That's just you got to get off the field on third down. And he's completing seven of eleven passes, 194 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. You start looking into that even further, and it's even more concerning because on those third downs. Uh, when it was third down and 10 or more to go, he was 5 of 7 for 157 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So basically, the defense has got you where they want you. You're third and long, you're one-dimensional, and you still out, go out there and allow him to complete 5 of 7 passes for 157 yards and two touchdowns. You did get the one pick, but the, the question, though, becomes, are you concerned long-term for this? And I, I know a lot of people are, and if you're a Tigers fan, you – I mean, you're going to have 623 tattooed across your forehead for a while. That's all you're going to see. You're probably seeing red. But you got to remember that you had your best player, Derek Stingley Jr., out for that game. He'll be back. Um, your other corner, Kerry Vincent Jr., he opted out for the season. Um, so you had basically, what, one established, one, one player back there? And, and if you go check out Brody Miller's, um, article on the athletic after the game, he details this quite nicely. But you start talking about you—you you were relying on an FCS transfer in Darren Evans to play, and and so you start thinking about him getting matched up with those receivers. They were just sort of outclassed, and the reason I'm not overly concerned about it. We've all seen games where it's tough to gather yourself in the moment, in the game, and once things start rolling downhill against you it can be really difficult to stop that momentum. I think that's sort of where we are with this LSU secondary. I'm not overly concerned because I think they got the guys up front that can get pressure. Um, and, and then once you get Derek Stingley back and, and it shifts other guys down a notch, maybe you're not having to play that guy that maybe just wasn't ready. And you got to think that Bo Pelini's going to learn his lesson. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance by the defending national champs, and there's no other way – to say it, um, I, I just, you know, when you start looking at four Mississippi State players caught six passes or more, four, that's just unacceptable. Three three of those guys had more than 120 yards receiving. I mean, this is just historic level bad from LSU, and I just don't think we're going to see it. And you got to factor in also that, that that Mike Leach was a part of that, and, and he's pretty aggressive when he goes for it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, John R. wants to know, will Georgia look like a different offense with JT Daniels? How good does he need to be for UGA to do what the dogs want to do this year? That's a that's like a, a question you can answer on a couple different levels. I don't know how, how much better that JT Daniels is going to make this offense because there's a new offensive coordinator there in there this year. The, 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 I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Georgia looked 
putrid in the first half. Swapping around quarterbacks, could not get anything going against a team that hadn't won an SEC football game in two years. Wasn't a good performance for Jordan in the first half. I do think they got it righted. And, you know, the, the score probably turned out about what we thought it might be. But in the first half, we were all shaking our heads like, what is going on? Here's where I am with Georgia. I do think an established quarterback is going to help them. Uh, how could it not? It, it gives them an opportunity to be more balanced. Um, and, and the reason that when you talk about Georgia, first of all, we're not talking about offense. They are legit great on defense. And I, I think when we start talking about where Georgia wants to go this year, it's going to be led by the defense. That's that's where it is for me. Um, when their goals and their goals at this point are SEC championships and getting into the college football playoff, I think those are possible because of that defense. The defense is that good. But they got to get some help from the offense. And I thought Georgia would be better at running the football than they did. Um, and, and they were okay. They got 121 yards, but the, that, the 121 yards came on 42 carries. That's the, That efficiency is not very good. It's 2.88 yards per carry. It's not good. It's not where it needs to be. And certainly the, the pass has to help you loosen the defense up some. And the pass just wasn't very good. They, You know, it's just not not where they need to be. When you start thinking about this, and then overall, though, what's more shocking, when you really dig into the numbers, you know that Georgia ran more plays Saturday than any other SEC team? 89 plays that offense ran. And, again, the efficiency, though, not great. They ranked 12th in the SEC in yards per play at 4.35 yards. So they ran a lot of plays, and but the efficiency of that offense is just not where it needs to be. And... They're going to need a quarterback to come in and play play better than what we saw um, from from Bennett and, and Mathis on Saturday. And whether that's JT Daniels or not, um, there's, there's nowhere to go but up for that Georgia team. Of course, I was in Columbia, Missouri for that Alabama football game. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, my, my preseason notions of this team – we're sort of we're sort of confirmed. Um, this is a good football team, guys. And for the first game of the year, we were all watching that defense. wasn't a perfect performance, particularly there in the second half when they got some some other guys in in the game. But this defense is faster, it's hungrier, and it is a lot meaner. They come down and they will thud you up. Will Anderson has bad intentions. Christian Harris is a heat-seeking missile. And I think Jordan Battle can come down with a lot of speed and make some plays, too. And Dylan Moses, go back and watch his first quarter. That dude played like his hair was on fire. Um, he was just unbelievable in the first quarter. He, he had, It's the first time he'd played in a football game since that national championship game against Clemson, his, his sophomore year. So he had a lot of pent-up aggression and, and anxiousness to play that football game. I think that defense is going to be really good. Especially That was the first game of the season. They didn't know what Eli Drinkwitz was going to do. Um, you know, they can. You have that much time in the offseason. You can put some stuff in. The defense has no ideas coming. This Alabama defense is going to be good. And watch out. The offense is electric. This is, again, going to be another. Just because Tua Tungvaloa is gone and Jerry Judy has gone and Henry Ruggs is gone, people sort of said – well, Alabama might take a step back offensively. I don't think they do. Now, I, I am questioning myself because I've been trumpeting this idea that Alabama is going to be a power running O, and I still think they have that capability. Um, but that offensive line did not look as overpowering as I thought it would. 
And I think they got some stuff to work out there. But passing, pass protection, Mac Jones was clean all night. I've already told you that Mac Jones completed 75% of his passes. He was unbelievable. Uh, Jalen Waddle's the best player on this team. He's unbelievable. He might be the best player in the SEC. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. This is a really good Alabama football team. This is the most complete football team that Alabama's had, in my opinion, since maybe 2016. And that's saying a lot because that was a really great Alabama football team. I'm not saying they're that good. I'm just saying that complete of a football team. Now, certainly there's some depth that they got to work out and they got to stay healthy. But for a first performance to basically turn in a snoozer, I mean, when I say snoozer, meaning it wasn't very entertaining for people that aren't Alabama fans to watch because they just thoroughly dominated. This is a complete football team that's only only going to get better and better. And if they do get to the point that they're capable of, this is a team that can win a national championship without question in my mind. They're that good. And, hey, watch out. They made some field goals. They made all their extra points, and they made all their field goals, guys. So this is a solid Alabama football team, and I only think they're going to get better. And that defense is – you know, I know some people were concerned that Daniel Wright, number three, missed a lot of tackles. And You, sh- you guys showed up in my comment section, section of my game article asking about that. I went back and watched the game. You're right. At times he played a little too upright. He played a little timid. Um, sometimes just trying to go for a shoulder rather than wrapping it up. That's got to get better. They did miss some tackles, especially Daniel Wright. But once they get that squared away um, with what number 31 Will Anderson's doing, with what Dylan Moses and Christian Harris are doing, um, you get Christian Barmore back. He didn't even play. So I, I just think the defense is going to be much better. And that is always the key in my mind if, if Alabama is going to contend for a national championship legitimately. Because every time they win a national championship, that defense is ranked number one or number two, but always in the top two or three. It's not that they're a top ten. got to be top five, lights out, elite unit. And I think this defense is headed that way. And with Mac Jones pulling the strings, whew, this is a really good offense. It's a really good defense. It's a really, really good football team. And I think there are only two teams out there that could probably consistently line up and beat them, and that would be – Clemson and Ohio State. So we'll see how that lines up. But you have every right as Alabama fans to be off the charts excited about this team because they are really, really good. And by the way, we saw the freshman Bryce Young get in the game and did some good things. Now, the offensive line did not give him a lot of protection. He had basically no running game to play off of. But you saw the skill set that made Bryce Young so, so coveted in the recruiting process. Really quick. He had a couple scrambles out there. Um, his second play of the game, bad snap from Landon Dickerson. He has to reach down to his left. He's got a defender closing in on him. He has enough wherewithal to, to go ahead and run the play and without being able to step into the ball, delivers the ball on the money to Devontae Smith. So I just think this kid um, has all the tools, but it's Mac Jones's offense, and, it, and it's going to be. The key to me is how much better is that running game going to get? Can they close out games running the football when they need to. That's the only question mark because I don't I don't think that Emil Ikior had his best game. Um that's but his first game and this is a unit that's just coming together. You got to give them time to gel, but there are a lot of positives if you're an Alabama football fan that um that you can build on. Thanks so much for tuning in to Football and Grits. This is again, this is the Ask Aaron day. We're going to we're going to field your questions. It's the listener engagement day of the show, but coming up tomorrow uh, don't forget to check out David Oben and Josh Kendall. They'll be back on the show 
on Wednesday. You, you can subscribe, rate, and review the show and tweet me questions anytime. And we'll also put up the, the sort of mailbag feature where you can ask questions for our subscribers. Um, and we'll a- answer those as we go. Have you guys noticed, have you heard about Home Field, the premium college apparel brand that's out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with those vintage college designs that are so hot right now. You guys have seen them. Whoever your team is, you've got that design, right? That design that, that maybe goes back two or three designs ago that are like, man, those, those are pretty hot. Well, these are, you've started seeing them pop up on social media. Home Field, they're the guys that are bringing them to you. They, they have these cool, sought-after, vintage college designs and you know they're adding schools all the time if you're if they don't have your school right now it's probably because they're working out a licensing deal so they can't they can add your schools but right now they got 90 plus schools so check them out you can go to homefieldapparel.com again incredibly comfortable uh and go check out those vintage college designs that you want and more important than ever if you go to homefieldapparel.com and use code sec you get 20% off your first purchase. College football's back. They're back. They're making it more fun to rep your school on game days. That's homefieldapparel.com and use code SEC for 20% off your first purchase today. See you guys next week.